Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. Today we're going to break down for you, uh, well, you know, we haven't quite decided on the title, but I guess real or mirage, like are these studs really going to turn out to be duds? At this point in the season, we're enough games in where we've seen some players really surprise us. They've been impressive. They've been nice to watch. But the question you have to begin to ask yourself is, can they continue at this pace? You know, is this something that they're going to finish uh, the whole year like this? And they're a very legitimate option for you to take you in and to win your championship. Or do you need to sell high on these guys? That's really the question that we're going to be asking today. Each one of us have picked out three players and broken down, you know, just a little evaluation for you guys. Um, And hopefully that will help you and make your Guess your determination on whether or not you're going to stick with these guys throughout the entirety of the year because it's really about that time to start making trades, I, I would say. I don't know if that's just me, but uh, I've been really starting to look at moves in my leagues. What about you guys? Yeah, I think understanding the uh, trends is really key. Whether you're uh, looking at trading, like you said, and trading key is you know selling high, buying low, or maybe trying to determine waiver wire priority, or maybe it's just a matter of simply trying to figure out can this guy sustain production or do I need to look to get a viable option on the bench or a handcuff because I expect to fall off in his stats. But you need to know. You need to know trends. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's week four. So you know exactly where your team's at. You know exactly mm-hmm. what you have to do. If you're a good fantasy football manager and you have to make the moves uh, on cutting some some players that maybe you were in on them all in this season, or you have to go and get guys who maybe aren't doing so well on other rosters. So this is an opportunity for, for us to give you some advice on, on maybe what those players should be. All right, well, let's get into it. We'll take turns. We'll start off with you, Connor. Why don't we get into our first player? Yeah, so the first player that we're going to look at as we're talking about real or mirage, it's not actually what I would say uh, has been a stud so far, and that's Antonio Gibson. I think that he's been a massive disappointment as the number 20 overall fantasy football running back, especially with his draft capital. That some were uh, picking him at the end of the first round, early second for sure. And uh, he was... He was supposed to have a huge sophomore season. All reports were saying that uh, that the coaching staff was going to use him as the next Christian McCaffrey. Him coming out and saying he feels so much more comfortable as a running back in a year that he had already finished as a as an RB one, mm-hmm. and now he's uh, came out and he has two hundred fifty three yards through four games, eight catches for one hundred and seven yards. Remember, one of those catches was a seventy three yard touchdown. So that's a little deceiving as well. And I thought first game happens right. And, uh, and, and Fitzmagic goes down with an injury, and Taylor Heineke comes in, and he had already had 23 touches in this first game, and I thought, man, it's going to be Antonio Gibson season. Get ready, gear up for what's going to be a great year. And no, Taylor Heineke takes the helm, and all of a sudden they decide that they're going to go away from what seemed like a potent running attack. Uh, again, I'm not a football coach, but it just doesn't seem to, to be like they want to use him there. Yeah, it's confusing for me. Again, great rookie year. Um, comes into the season. He's been a big disappointment. But one thing I do is ask you to check your perspective at the door, what you really expected from him. Personally, I think most people drafted him to be a high-end RB2. Would I not say that's probably a right evaluation of what most people expected from this season? And at running back 20th overall, that just makes him a middle to low end RB2. Like he's not that far off. So one, like don't over panic on this guy. But yeah, there's certainly been, and I think what it really is, is J.D. McKissick. And that's what's scaring people. Not just J.D. McKissick. I am panicking. I'm over panicking. I have shares of Antonio Gibson in a lot of uh, fantasy, um, fantasy leagues right now. So I look back at last year, his explosive rookie season. Mm -hmm. He did not have um, more than two games over a 60-plus percent snap share, okay? And in this game, in this season so far, he only has one game over a 60% snap share. That was the first game at 61% ever since. Every single game, he's had less and less. And some of that could be that there's a hampering injury there Mm -hmm. that he's dealing with. But this is a scary fact. Heineke, in three games, has 20 carries. Antonio Gibson in four has 59 carries. So Heineke has one-third of the amount of carries that are RB1, borderline RB2, mm-hmm. has had this game this year. And last year, if you look, it's a little deceiving because he had 11 touchdowns. He was touchdown dependent. Mm-hmm. Now everyone thought the volume would take place this year, so it really didn't matter. It would overweigh the touchdowns, but he doesn't have them. He doesn't have them this year, and they're using him less and less to use Heineke and McKissick, like you said. You know, I think uh, looking back to last year, his average draft position was, was 12. So in your standard 12-team league, that makes him an RB1. Okay, um, so just right in there. there in the borderline, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I think he's going to rebound. Uh, maybe that's wishful thinking because I own him. I think you own him in a league, don't you? I do, yeah. But I think the one of the things that's hurting him is not something that's necessarily directly his fault. 
and that's that defense. Yeah. That defense came in the league to be one of the top young upcoming defense, but they have been brutal, which means they're playing from behind. So he's get, getting game scripted out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't keep beating this guy when you're always having to throw the ball. I would think that the defense is going to rebound. They've got talent there. And if that defense can rebound and they get lower scoring again, they can begin to feed him more. I think you'll see an uptick. That's why McKissick's in there on passing downs. It's probably why Tyler Heineke is getting so many carries. It's yeah. uh, scrambling or, or, you know, the defense is dropping back and they're in pass coverage. Um, so I think that his production is directly tied to that defense. Mm-hmm. And it's a defense that's young and talented. They will get better. They clearly have some coaching things that they need to work through a little maturity. That's really what we've seen from that defense. Well, here's the news is that he, he can't get any worse, I don't think. I don't think that it can get worse from here. His value has already tanked. So if you sell him, you're not going to get a whole lot back from him as far as what you paid for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reality that we have to start living with is that he's a mid to low end RB2 this year with a high ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. So that ceiling's yeah. always going to be there for touchdown production. And he could turn it on and have a Thanksgiving day like he did last year against Dallas where he had three touchdowns. But with people who had high hopes of him being this sure spot, I don't think he's going to turn it around from there. I think this is that is going to be his realistic production and be touchdown dependent RB two. Yeah, one more thing that I think for me uh, gives me hope for him is that you know there's things that we don't see. We're not the coaches. We're not there watching these guys play. Uh, a lot of information is not given to us. Um, but I think really telling the fact that in the offseason, they didn't really go out and grab another guy. Yeah, they didn't go out and draft a guy. And so you tell that that organization feels very comfortable being. Their, their lead back, their horse moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if they're comfortable with the guy, to some degree, I think he's got a pretty solid role. Whether or not he can break that top 12, I'm not sure. But the running back position, let's be honest with you, like, who's out there? Yeah. You know, who's got that third running back on your bench that you can sit this guy? Probably not. At least I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be playing him for a couple more weeks. I hope he gets better. Yeah, that's all we can do. All right, so the first guy that I want to break down is Adam Thielen. Now, as of right now, he's the wide receiver 11 in fantasy PPR scoring. Um, and for me, I'll put this out in the upfront, and then I'll defend it. I think this is a mirage. I do not think that Adam Thielen is going to finish as a wide receiver one, um, but that's just my pick. I know there's some, some bold opinions on that, but let me give you my breakdown, and then I'll let you guys hop in for some of this. First off, he's a wide receiver 11 despite being 23rd in targets. That means he's very efficient when he's getting the ball thrown his way. And while that's great, we know he's a good wide receiver. Insane amounts of efficiency are just they're hard to keep up. Not only that, he's got four touchdowns, and that's what's really carried his fantasy production. That's basically you know, a touchdown a game so far. In fact, that's second to only Cooper Cup with five. And so we've talked about this before on the channel. I know you guys get this. You just you can't rely on a touchdown every single week. In fact, on this pace, he's going to finish with 17 touchdowns on the year. Uh, not such a bold opinion here. I don't think he's going to finish with 17 on the year. That would be really surprising. But there are even some more things. I wanted to look at it. Like, do you, I really think that he can even keep up what he has been doing? So I started looking at some metrics. I don't want to dig super deep into it. But I found like this. He has 3.3 average yards of separation from his defender when he catches the ball. That is actually more than average. Other guys like Cooper Cup or Mike Williams this year are averaging closer to two and two and a half yards of separation. Now, Adam Thielen is a great route runner, and he is always going to be a guy to get separation. But defenses are going to key in on that. He's not always going to have three and a half yards, and that's going to hurt his production as well. And... Finally, you just take a look at that Vikings team as a whole. He could very well see a dip in volume. Again, he's already not been the most volume receiver, but he's, you know, really Jefferson is the one there. He's shown that this year. He's been phenomenal. And then they've got a really good running back in Dalvin Cook who can do both. They've got a great RB too. They've got even a third wide receiver there in KJ Osborne, who is more than productive at their wide receiver three. Even Conklin had a good game. And oh yeah, if their defense starts to play better, they can run the ball more and throw the ball less. So yeah, I've got a lot of concerns for Adam Thielen. I think he's a good wide receiver. He will finish as a low-end wide receiver too. At least that's my prediction. So I'm going to call him a bit of a mirage. Nothing major. You don't need to you know, completely throw the baby out with the bathwater on this, but I expect his production to dip. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'll tack in another, um, another thing against uh, Adam Thielen is that for that separation to get that and being a polished route runner as he is, it takes time mm-hmm. to to get open on his routes. And Kirk Cousins often doesn't have that time. If you watch, if you watch any of the Vikings game, uh, he, he's not good at navigating the pocket as it is, and he doesn't have much time to do so. So for those routes that he's getting so open on, they're just not materializing in time that Kirk Cousins can get him the ball. But I will say this. 
this is a, a pretty common theme that we've gotten from Adam Thielen over his career. He's mm-hmm. uber efficient, always yeah. has been. Last year finished as number 10 fantasy wide receiver on only 108 targets. That's the fewest targets for a top 10 receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, even less than A.J. Brown, who we always yeah. remark is one of the most efficient wide receivers. So although I'm with you on the Mirage and I want to trade him for as much as I can get from the value because he's always underdrafted, we always take him, you know, end of the fourth round, early fifth round for most drafts. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm down for trading him, but I do think that he can keep up a similar pace. And I'd say that he finished a little higher than a low-end wide receiver too. But if you can get more for him, I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, my biggest concern right now is uh, Osborne, for example, uh, or uh, is a, is a good number three wide receiver there. But I think the probably the number one concern is some would say, well, 17 touchdowns is not far from what he did last year, and he did it last year, so why not repeat that? Last year, that Vikings defense was uncharacteristically bad. And Mike Zimmer is a defensive guru. Started this year bad, but I tell you what, they're beginning to right that ship. Things are getting better, and they're making adjustments. And I think a big uh, thing that's helping them right now is Daniel Hunter coming back. He is one of the top five defensive linemen in football, and he made pressure on the quarterback. I think that defense continues to improve. Uh, they don't want Kirk Cousins to throw the ball, you know, 40, 45 times a game. At least if they can avoid that, they're going to try to. And so I do worry about the volume. I have nothing against him as a wide receiver talent-wise. I just think that situation, like you said, Jefferson's the number one guy there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I do have a little bit of concern. So I would probably, if, if you're looking to trade, I would sell high now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that is a little bit confusing, maybe you looked into this, though, is I have noticed that he's up there because of the touchdowns, but his yardage totals are, are really low right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, he's getting the separation according to what you're saying, but he's yeah. not getting the ball deep. I know uh, depth of target is just not there. Yeah, they're, they're certainly having, and that's exactly what you had hit on. That Vikings offensive line, not as bad as it has been, but it's really not that great. And teams have already known for years now that you go after the quarterback, you take advantage of that poor offensive line. So, of course, they're having him run short routes. Because if he runs a fly route, Kirk Cousins doesn't have the time. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have him run a slant route, and that's great. But that's going to hurt your fantasy value as well. I mean, look at some of the most you know, productive fantasy receivers this year, like the dominance that we've seen from Tyler Lockett before his injury, like that's in making those big plays. Or Debo Samuel or Cooper Cup or any one of those guys. But yeah, so for me, guys, I think it's a bit of a mirage. Like I said, don't throw the baby out the bathwater. He's still going to have a good year, but I wonder if there's going to be a drop off. But let's move on to our next guy. So the guy that I have is Cordell Patterson. I know a lot of you are going to hate me. Go for it. I get it. Whatever. Um, And if I'm wrong at the end of the year, I'll admit I'm wrong. Um, right now, I'm a guy that a couple weeks ago I did say I don't see his train continuing. You know what? Surprisingly, he's continued to do really well. He's currently third right now in fantasy points among running backs and fifth amongst wide receivers. That is insanity. That is so high. It's crazy, right? So does he finish maybe as a top 12 either as a running back, an RB1, or a wide receiver? Um, let's be honest right now. Even if he finished as a running back two or wide receiver two, if you told me that at the beginning of the year, I thought you were crazy, right? So yeah. even if he finishes there, that's an amazing finish. Now, I will say this right now, because he started so strong and he's got a lot of stats already built up, that I think that uh, he's certainly going to finish somewhat in, the, in that realm of, of or at least at a wide receiver three or running back three at this point. Now, he's had a strong start, um, and I would say that that start is what I would call maybe a little bit of a need-based or volume-based. Yeah. The fact that they've been playing from behind, um, but it's not just volume. You know, this guy's actually been effective and he's been efficient. He's got 4.4 yards per carry. It's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at his quarterback rating when thrown to his key BR is 134. So he's doing a great job there. He's got zero dropped balls. Now some say, wait, he's been targeted. He doesn't have all those catches. They differentiate between a target versus a catchable ball. Mm-hmm. And he's dropped zero catchable balls. Um, he's on pace currently for 144 rushing, I'm sorry, 477 rushing yards, 72 catches, and 941 receiving yards mm-hmm. for a total of 1,418 yards and 20 touchdowns. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say this, those combined rushing and receiving yards don't, aren't necessarily insane. I mean, a lot of players have done that. Yeah. Um, but I think we'd all admit that he's not going to get 20 touchdowns, right? Do you agree with that? No, yeah, that's not I agree. Yeah, yeah I like agree. he's just not going to hit 20 touchdowns, okay? Um, or I, I don't know, I'd make some crazy bet. I'll, I'll get a tattoo or something like, you know, whatever that happens. So um, he's not going to continue that. Now, those numbers aren't insane per se, but uh, here's what I would say. Um, this week, he will continue at least one more week. Wherever you're at with him, he's got at least one more good week there. One, really, he's not traveling with the team to London. He's got personal issues. And Gage is not back. He's still hurt. So at least this week, and I think he's got one more huge weekend ahead of him there. But what could change that would possibly cause him to lose that production? Because that's a big question. Does he maintain or lose it? One, there'll be a few players that are going to return. Gage will come back. Uh, Ridley's going to miss this week. But when he does come back, he's a stud wide receiver and a favorite target of Brian there. Another thing that could possibly change that production 
is I think the development of younger players in that offense and time to rebuild. I don't know about you guys. Um, I know the Falcons have played better the last couple of weeks, but I think this is a rebuilding year for them. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in a couple of weeks, it's going to become evident to everybody that they're rebuilding. So they begin to rebuild. They're going to have to develop younger players, look to the future. Um, and he's 30 years old. Now, in the world term, that's not old, but in football terms, 30 years old is, is pretty old. Um, and I think he signed a one-year contract. So as the year drags on, the look to the future, give younger players opportunity to develop, um, give the coaching staff an opportunity to evaluate them for the future, and his role will decrease. Um, another thing, Kyle Pitts, that guy's going to be a stud. And so you know his production is going to go up along with Ridley. Somebody's going to have to lose some of those touches, and I think he would be that guy. Another thing I also think with him is I still think he's going to get traded to a contender. I wouldn't be all that surprised the next couple of weeks he gets traded. He'd be a great addition to a team that's looking to go to the Super Bowl or the postseason. He can return kicks. He can use as a back or a running back. He's a nice tool to have for a coach. But here's the thing. If he goes to a contender, okay, that contender already has an RB1 or wide receiver one. If they don't, they're not in contention. At least they're not going to be for long. So yeah. whatever team he goes to, he's not going to get that same volume. So for me, um, there's no way this guy's going to finish as a wide receiver one or an RB1. You can take that to the bank. But I do think his nice start, okay, statistical nice start, um, is going to leave him okay there. And, and one more thing, too. There's a reason why this guy has played on five teams in six years. Yeah. Okay? There, there just is. I'm not saying he doesn't have talent there, but I do think there'll be a fall in production. Um, my money is that uh, this guy will finish outside the top 24 in running back and wide receiver. He'll probably fall in, what I believe, the range of maybe wide receiver three, running back three statistics. I would sell high right now or temper your expectations moving forward. Once again, I think this weekend is going to be good, but I do think because of the reasons I listed, he will have a drop-off. But what do you guys think? Yeah, well, if you remember my first video, uh, who was my favorite by low? Patterson. Cordero Patterson. All right, now he's my favorite sell high. And it's not because of anything that he did wrong, but just for all the reasons that you just listed. He's not going to continue this production by any means. No one mm -hmm. expected him to be a top five running back and a top ten wide receiver. And now last week you could trade basically nothing and obtain him and play him at your flex. I'd still be happy playing him at my flex most of the season if he stays at Atlanta. But now you can trade him for a player of actual value. And until... Antonio Gibson, like we just talked about. I don't know if anyone will take that trade, but it, it's worth throwing out there. Because, or use them as multiple chips yeah. packaged together. Yes. Now, just adding on to the reasons that you talked about, he hasn't gotten over 42% of the snap share this year. That's, that's just craziness. And he scored a touchdown on almost 25% of his catches. Yeah. Again, things that can't happen. Now, as far as the rebuilding... Um, thing that you talked about, well, Mike Davis is also 28, so there's not much to prove there. They don't have a running back under uh, 28 years old, I believe. The other one would be uh, Caleb Huntley, who's on the practice squad right now. They'd have to pull him up. And then they signed Wayne Gallman, who hasn't gotten much uh, run, but he's 26, so he doesn't have much to prove there either. So I think Cordero Patterson can be a usable player. I think that he can be a, a weekly flex player, but... If you could sell him at the value of an RV1 mm -hmm. and get back maybe a, an underperformer like we've talked about in the past, that's why I change my mind all the time. So he was a buy low for me, right? And mm -hmm. I wanted him. Yeah. And I would have been thrilled to play him and get him in every league this week because it paid off, right? But now I'm going to go flip him for another asset that you know will make your team better in the long run because this isn't going to last all season. Especially if you're in a dynasty league. Oh, Especially if you're in a dynasty league. Think people will trade them but yeah you're right let's put it this way do you guys remember who the cover of madden 12 was no not a clue a running back by the name of peyton hillis who went over a oh. thousand yards he was the top running back i'm here to tell you every time a player has a couple of good games or even a good season we begin to think maybe he's the next zeke or christian mccaffrey right maybe he's going to continue on uh, it just it doesn't always last for everyone we forget the peyton hillises and we remember the guys who have the long great careers mm -hmm. like as unfortunate as it is, you can have all the great stats that you want. You have to answer me the question, how do I know it's going to continue? And for Patterson, for me, I have no way to know that it's going to continue. But again, that comes really mostly on the basis of him being a guy who's bounced around the league for years. And finally, he's found a place that's worked for him. But we'll see how for, for how long, you know. All right, the next guy we're going to talk about is QB Sam Darnold. He's the number five uh, quarterback 
in leagues right now. He's having a, a great year in his first year with the Carolina Panthers, following three injury-plagued and turnover-prone seasons with the Jets. And a lot of people are saying that was more of a, a Jets problem yeah. than, a, than a Sam Darnold problem because he came into the league at 21 years old. He was supposed to be under uh, um, Gase and his, uh, his, his quarterback guru getting him uh, to where he needs to be, and it didn't happen. He never had a season above number 25, and that was his rookie year. So he was even worse since then, and uh, Jets traded him for, for pennies on the dime just to get him out of there. And now... Like we said, he's, he's surrounded with Matt Rule, who's an offensive guru. He's been a great uh, coach in his, his first two years. He's surrounded with Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in the league. He's well, got, not right now, but yeah. just not. Uh, yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry is obviously it right now. But Christian McCaffrey, when oh, he's Oh, no, playing, I just mean because he's hurt. Because he's hurt, yeah. When he's healthy, he, he's, he's, he's the best. And then you have uh, Robbie Anderson, who's a great number two option. DJ Moore, who's a, a star, an underrated star at the wide receiver position, uh, a young tight end. I would have liked Dan Arnold to stay there, but Tommy Tremble is a fine replacement. They like drawing things up for him. Now, for most people, uh, he went undrafted out of super, outside of Superflex, and he was just a waiver wire pickup. And I would say the same thing for Daniel Jones, Taylor Heineke, for David Carr, any of those players who are doing well right now. It's a mirage. I would sell them. You might have a different opinion on Daniel Jones, but... I think that this is, um, this is an obvious mirage, and I would be trying to, to trade him, especially inside the QB position, where it's, it's, there's so much depth. I mean, you can really basically plug and play anyone on the waivers and get a serviceable fantasy stat line, where if I can, and I've already drafted a, a top 10 quarterback and never expected to have Darnold, that I'm trading him to get any value I can outside of it. And some of the stats behind that is that he has unsustainable rushing touchdown production. He's the next Cam Newton there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he has five touchdowns, and he's averaging 2.6 yards per carry. Mm -hmm. So five touchdowns. You take away those five rushing touchdowns that he has, and remember, in his first three years in the league, he only had four combined. Mm -hmm. So he has five in one year and four games. That's not going to keep happening. You take that out, he'd have only scored 68 total fantasy points this year. He'd be the number 21 fantasy quarterback. He'd be right next to Jameis Winston and Carson Wentz. And we wouldn't be having this discussion. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, he's also played the Jets, the Texans, and the Cowboys. And the Jets are, are doing pretty good under Robert Sala as their defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. But the Texans are ranked 26th in pass defense, mm -hmm. and Dallas is ranked 29th against the pass. So, I mean, he's played bad defensive teams. He's had great stat lines in what probably shouldn't have been competitive games, but they were. Mm -hmm. And I, I want out of Sam Darnold. Okay. I get that. And, you know, the bright thing is if – nice thing is if he does have that dip, like you didn't draft him early, so you're not really tied to him. I, I don't know. I could see – I can see a world where he continues it, mm -hmm. right, where they get to the goal line and suddenly Darnold's got the ball – and linebackers and corner, you know, they start stepping up, and that just creates open room for the receivers. Like I could see that. I totally get your concern. He's not going to finish the year with a t rushing touchdown per game. You're not. He's not going to. But and we talked about this, you know, a lot in the off season where it was like, man, he is finally getting away from Adam Gase. Have you seen all the stuff about Adam Gase leaves his high school, they win the national championship. He leaves his football team, they go to like, well, I don't know what it was, like the Rose Bowl, yeah. whatever, they go like 13-0 or something. Then he leaves Denver and they win the Super Bowl. And then he leaves Sam Darnold and Ryan Tannehill. Suddenly they're great quarterbacks. Like he has got the best O-line, the best receivers, the best running backs, the best team, the best coaches, the best anything he's ever had. Uh, I tend to think it's real but you're absolutely around the rushing touchdowns. The question is, can he replace that with passing touchdowns down the road? Mm -hmm. That's something you got to be nervous about. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, so I, I think that he got a bad rap there. I think it was the Jets and it's Adam Gay. So let's just wipe that off there. Um, I think he's going to be a quality quarterback in the league. But right now, I think he's top five as far as quarterback points in fantasy. That's mm -hmm. not going to continue. Yeah. I also think he needs a few more weapons there. Now, getting Christian McCaffrey back, he's a phenomenal pass catching back. Not only the best in the league now, but probably the greatest ever. Yeah. That will help. Um, but I think he needs a better number two guy. Robbie Anderson's right now not the guy there. Um, I think you'll see a drop. You brought up great points, which is he had some nice matchups. Yeah. I think he's a guy that you can definitely trust um, week to week in the right matchups of a streaming quarterback. Yeah. But no, would I want to trust him every week at this point? No, I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But uh, but don't let what he did for the Jets worry you if you need to start him in the right matchup or if you're a shorter guy or a buy or if you have an injury. I yeah. think in that regard he can be used. 
Yeah. 100%. And I want to I want to agree with that and touch on it because I, I thought about that as well, so I looked up his playoff matchups. If you are lucky enough to make the fantasy football playoffs, well, his four-week schedule is against Buffalo, who is the best against the, the pass, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and then Tampa Bay. So I think Tampa Bay around that time is going to be playing their best defensive football, and I know that they've given up a lot of yardage, but they're a... They're a good defense. I, I don't want to face them, and they're going to see him twice in four weeks. Usually defense have the, the, the better side of that. And, again, like the streaming that you said, if you want to keep him on your bench all year and kind of try and mix and match your starts with another quarterback, by all means, do it. But this is about getting your team better. If you have no need for him and you have another quarterback that's serviceable in your lineup, I'm going out and trading him for, for whatever I can at his top value, which is right now. One thing that we always say here, though, and and, uh, and I agree with you, but I never leave dead weight on my bench, and we never we say never overvalue quarterbacks. There's yeah. always somebody out there, yeah. and so if that was me, as much as I like to keep it, like I just couldn't. I drop the guy mm-hmm. uh, because I'd rather have a, a possible running back with the potential or wide receiver. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah mm-hmm. I uh, I think you could, but uh, I would advise it. But I, I think I agree with you. I think you did a great job breaking that down. All right, guys, let's break it down now. I want to talk about Daniel Jones. You just hit on a quarterback. So let's talk about another one of those guys who's having a surprisingly good year. Right now, he's currently eighth in fantasy quarterback scoring. That is in stark contrast to just the previous year where he finished 24th in fantasy quarterback scoring. So, like, what are we really seeing from Daniel Jones? He is, you know, this is his third year in the league and feels like this dude is bipolar. Year one, he comes out, he's got, uh, he was on pace for 32 total touchdowns, didn't play the whole season, but the games he did play in, he was good. In fact, he was on pace to finish sixth among quarterbacks in fantasy scoring. He was very effective. And then his second year, he's just plain awful. There's no other way to get around it. He threw just 11 touchdown passes that year, and he really stinks. So for me, we kind of talked in this offseason that maybe we might have some hope for him. We were excited to see if he could turn it around, but we also knew that was far from a guarantee. So we get into the season, and he's played pretty good. Now, what we're looking at right now is, is you know, let's just break down the stats. It gets a little boring, but let's get into some numbers. Yeah. One, according to Pro Football Focus, behind Tom Brady, he has, he's got the second highest Pro Football Focus passing grade. The only guy better than him is Tom Brady, which mm-hmm. he's been very effective doing that. His 8.2 yards per attempt passing is the most of his career. So is his 7 yards per carry and 66% completion percentage, all career best. Mm -hmm. He has significantly bounced back. In fact, I believe he's on pace for over 5,000 yards right now. I don't think it'll happen, but clearly he's been moving the chains very effectively. The touchdowns haven't been there as much as the yards, but ultimately he is playing really well. And the reason I wanted to bring him into this video, because he's been eighth, that's not phenomenal, that's not number one. Um, so it's you know, just fairly good starter, still not a guy you're going to give up an arm and a leg for. But I want to talk about, can he continue this to help out the players around him, right? If he goes back to the way he was, that'll be a detriment to Barkley. That'll be a detriment to Sterling Shepard and all those other weapons. So like for, I guess, the value of that entire Giants offense, can he continue what he's been doing? One, I think so. You look at his struggles in his second year for a quarterback who depends on his mobility to buy time because they have a bad offensive line. He also has a good arm and likes to throw it deep. So he's heavily dependent on his legs. He was banged up. He was, it was very hard time with that ankle injury and everything going on. He was very slow and he struggled. And so this year now he's healthy. He's playing better. That shouldn't be a super big surprise. Furthermore, This is not all sunshine and rainbows for him, right? When we look at it, it's not like everything has gone perfectly for him. In fact, there have been injuries to Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, their offensive lineman, Andrew Thomas, their guard, Ben Bredesen. And oh yeah, Saquon Barkley's recovering and still clearly getting some rust off in those first couple games. So like, he's been playing really well. Again, despite the fact that things haven't been perfect, I've been really impressed with him. And I'm going to call him real. Now, I don't necessarily think he's going to finish inside the top five or the top six, but for him to finish within the top 12 as a guy that you picked up off the waiver and you didn't give up anything for, yeah. So I'm going to go real there. What do you guys think? I know that's maybe a little bit much sometimes for some people. Yeah, I love what you said there. So uh, can he continue or not continue? Because how he does or doesn't do will affect those other players around him. Um, they are interconnected. So I think he regressed last year undoubtedly. He was bad last year. But I think some of that regression was the fact that Saquon Barkley was out. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that, you know how you protect a young quarterback? You run the ball. Yeah. You set a play action. You keep defenses honest. He didn't have that last year. So having Saquon back... I think by its very nature, will keep him more effective. And give him another weapon, because he's great weapon, in the yeah. passing game. Uh, he's got a lot of weapons there, a lot of depth, undoubtedly. I won't say he has the best weapons, but as far as the depth of weapons, he's got five or six wide receivers that are all quality. 
uh, two tight ends that are decent and, and a running back that can catch the ball. Um, but I'm a guy that's very conservative. I mentioned it before in the videos. Mm-hmm. And so I like to see a couple more games before I'm quickly to declare like he's back, he's ready. Um, but I think we forget because last year was so brutal. He was a former first-round pick. Mm-hmm. But uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so in a dynasty league, I'm thrilled with Daniel Jones because mm-hmm. he's looking like a quarterback of the future for you. In redraft leagues, I'm not there yet. Now, one thing that's been encouraging is that this hasn't been supported by just a couple big games. Mm-hmm. He's been consistent. Yeah, He's been consistently scoring 18 to 24 points, which is what I look for. I'd rather have consistency than boom or bust. That's, that's always how I go. Now, a couple things that the stats don't always show is that right now, even though Saquon's coming back from an injury, teams are keying in on the run. Mm-hmm. He has one of the, the highest percentage of stacked boxes. That's when there's eight or more defenders uh, lining up. And so that's, that's creating openings. Teams are daring Daniel Jones to throw, and mm-hmm. they want to get beat that way. They want to get beat by, by his arm. Not by Saquon's legs, not even by... Daniel Jones likes. They're not expecting him to run, and I'm sure they'll look to take that away. So I think as teams start to navigate that and start to pay more attention as he proves himself a, a viable passer, then we'll see a, a whole new game plan. We might see more from Saquon Barkley. I think that's the best thing that could happen from this is that it, it creates more opportunity for Barkley and a little less attention on him. Now, I don't see Daniel Jones going anywhere up from here, so I would be fine again, like I said, with trading him for top value. I don't think that it's going to get any better. I think that he could be, you know, um, I, I think that he's going to finish outside the top 12. That, that's me. But I can see him being close to there and being another streaming option that you talked about for the right matchups, which in the NFC East, there's a lot of right matchups. So that's a, that's a good thing. But, um, yeah, I'm not going to say it's a mirage. I think he's taken a huge leap forward. I think he can t- continue to be successful. And I think that in the end, the best thing that this will do is create openings for, for Saquon Barkley more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So my guy is Debo Samuel. Right now he's second wide receiver scoring in PPR leagues. That's amazing. Uh, if you've got him out there and you've been playing him, you've got to be very happy. He's not just putting up fantasy stats. Pro Football Focus has him as seventh-rated wide receiver. The quarterback rating when thrown to is 130. The guy's looking great. Uh, now last season he, uh, he disappointed. And another thing I think that happens, uh, you know, they drafted Brandon Ayuk, taken in the first round. He played well. And because of that, his play last year, the injuries and performance of Brandon, a lot of people faded on Debo this season. Uh, he wasn't big, a guy that a lot of people were talking about. He wasn't drafted really highly. But I think a lot of his struggles last year due to him being injured. He plays less than 100% off, and he only played seven games, and they had quarterback issues. So you got to consider that. Now, I said his rookie year, if you look at how he plays, I don't know um, if you guys remember him because you guys are young, not old like me, but he reminds me a lot of Anquan Bolden. Remember that? I remember Ooh. old Anquan Bolden. Anquan, what's that? <laughs> Anquan Olden? Anquan Bolden. They making fun of me? What's no, I just there? remember at the end Anquan of his Bolden. career. I don't uh, remember the beginning. I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Young people. So, anyways, if you watch him at the beginning of his career when he was young, the guy was phenomenal. He played so physical, tough, and that's how this guy plays. Um, Debo Samuel's man. He's he's physical. He he plays hard. He loves contact. Corners and safeties. Uh, if you try to arm tackle him, you're going to get in trouble. You don't have a chance to take this guy down. Now, what could hurt his production? One, because he's off the charts right now. One quarterback issues. I don't care how good of a wide receiver, if you don't have a good quarterback, it's not happening. Trey Lance is a rookie. Even the coach came out and said, hey, the reason why we don't have him starting at this point, he's just not there. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I've never been a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I don't know about you guys, but when they trade him over, I thought he was overrated. Any thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. I, no, I completely agree. Okay. So, so I'm not a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I think that lowers his ceiling. Um, although it is worth noting that right now all of his stats in the first four weeks are from um, – Jimmy Garoppolo being the quarterback there, and that hasn't hurt him regardless. So I think that maybe, you know, as much as I'm not a huge fan of him, maybe he'll still be fine as far as production and fantasy. Now, I think that could hurt his production is other weapons. Um, one, some of those pass-catching backs are going to come back and get healthier. And we know that Shanahan loves using pass-catching backs there, so some targets will go to those guys. George Kittle's a stud, and uh, he's not putting up George Kittle numbers. Those numbers are going to get better. At least I hope that they do because I got him in a, uh, one of my dynasty leagues. So I hope he improves. And Brandon Ayuk is a solid quarterback. Not quarterback, but he's a solid wide receiver there. Um, probably the biggest concern I have, can he finish as a top five wide receiver? Well, if you look at top five wide receivers, they get fed a ton. Um, in fact, they're usually the best option by far, mm-hmm. and they get force-fed a lot. If you consider like DeAndre Hopkins when he was the Texans or Devonta Adams with Green Bay, Tyree Kill, Calvin Ridley last year, Michael Thomas' record-setting year, a lot of times to be top five, you almost have to be in a team where like you're the only real option there and you get force-fed. And I do think he's got other weapons there, like Kittle and Ayuk and some other guys like that. Um, here's what I would say. I would say that, uh, I don't think his production is a fluke. I don't, Mm -hmm. I think he's very talented wide receiver. Um, 
But based on usage, I do think he's going to drop. And I think he, I think he's going to easily finish as a strong wide receiver twelve, and with the right breaks and the right things to fall into place, I think he can crack the top twelve. But he's definitely not going to be top five. Yeah. But I do think that he's. I don't think this is a fluke. Um, but I do think you have to expect a little bit of regression statistically. But I do like this guy, and maybe I'm just blinded because I had a little bit of man crush on him the year he came out because mm-hmm. he plays so much like the old guy Anquin Bolden that I knew back when you guys were young. But uh, what are your thoughts on him? Um, once again, I think he's the real deal. I think he'll drop yeah. a little bit, but I think he's going to be a top wide receiver one, probably closer to a, a higher wide receiver two. But. I have Mirage. Mirage, Mirage, get out of, of Debo Samuel. Now, the biggest difference between him and Anquan Bolden, which I am familiar with, believe it or not, Anquan Bolden never was injured. Throughout most of his career, he was, the, he was just, just uh, um, always healthy. He was always consistent uh, and, and never really missed out. Now, Debo Samuel, his entire career is history, and like you said, he likes being physical. Yeah. And he's not going to back away from that. He's so did Keenan Allen, though. He, had, he looked like he was never going to play a full season, and now suddenly yeah. the last three years he's been nothing but consistent. But Keenan Allen had just, other than the ACL and MCL, I mean, he had a kidney laceration, for, for goodness sakes. Those, those hardly so ever happened. Now they brought that up. No, He's I'm talking about Keenan. Oh, you are talking oh, about yeah. Keenan. Okay, yeah. I was confused. I'm like, so did Keenan Allen? That's yeah. crazy. So what are the, I'm really getting old. What How often odds? does that happen? Yeah. Now, now, Debo Samuel, he had a, I think it's called a Lisfranc fracture in his foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a lot of soft tissue is- issues, which are yeah. ones that we worry about. Mm-hmm. And again, if this was just a, a middle wide receiver two, then I'd be happy with the production and keep keep going with it. But when you have a guy who you can capitalize on the number three ranked wide receiver in fantasy leagues right now, and you can flip him for a guy, I don't know, like a DeAndre Hopkins who's been a little lower, Stephon Diggs, those are the people that I would be going out and be thrilled to flop him for. Now, if you, if you drafted him as your flex and you already have two one and two guys, mm-hmm. man, well, your team's probably in a pretty good position, and I'm keeping him because uh, I think that he can sustain flex-worthy production, but he is not going to be a top uh, a wide receiver one this year. I would uh, take that to the bank. Well, you know, I think you asked a trick question here. Yeah. Real or Mirage? Um, I would first, I would answer your question by asking you another question. Redraft or Dynasty? Uh, I like him. Um, right now, I think they've, I, I like him equal value. I think he's going to finish here pretty solid. I think he's going to finish at least a high wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. Maybe a low end wide receiver one. I don't think this is a fluke. Uh, I will say this. I do agree with you, though. Um, nobody's ever off the trading market, meaning that I don't care who you are. you got a hot player like yep. that. you got to be willing to listen to offers. And if you get the right deal, then I don't care who it is. Um, if it's Christian McCaffrey and a guy wants to give you the world, then you got to be one to put aside <laughs> your emotions and take that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. The people might be overreacting. But I suspect that most people right now see it as a mirage and therefore won't bite on a trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, although it's one of those things, and we hate the fantasy owners who offer offer us crappy trades, but it's just throw it out there. You know, sometimes if you got them, might as well give it a shot. But yeah. like I said, for me, it really depends on dynasty or or redraft league. In a redraft league, I just very nervous about that quarterback situation. You have no idea what the rest of the season's going to look like. Either you play Garoppolo, and I'm not a big fan, or you play a rookie Trey Lance, you don't know what you're going to get. Like. But in a dynasty, you talk about a year and two years from now, if that quarterback situation is settled and it looks good, there's no reason I don't think he can't finish in the top five. He really is that talented. And I'm a guy yeah. who I don't panic on the injuries because we've seen it with Keenan Allen. We've seen it with Dalvin Cook where they get hurt, they get hurt, and then suddenly they're fine after a couple of years. I don't know. For me, I just try not to look into that too much. I'm selling him in dynasty too. And, uh, and that's going to be an unpopular opinion. But people were all the rage about Brandon Ayuk. This mm-hmm. year, a 23-year-old yeah. wideout who has probably top 10 dynasty trade value because of where he was from last season. And now look at him. I don't trust Kyle Shanahan. He's like that ex-girlfriend that broke my heart all those years ago. And I could never trust him again. He, he is just a coach that is going to play anyone who works hard in practice. And who that might be, we don't know. What a terrible coach. <laughs> yeah. No, he's great for real football purposes, but he's terrible for fantasy football purposes. Same reason that Trey Sermon's out and Elijah Mitchell is in and all the rage. But I don't want Debo Samuel. I'm willing to trade him. Yeah, I do, I do agree. But the way you said there, it almost felt like, okay, so you're saying Brennan Ayuk, yeah, going to this year, people are huge on the guy. And now his value dropped. And like, what's going on? He's not good all of a sudden. Well, what's one of the major things that dropped his value? Debo Samuel being Debo back. Samuel. So being healthy. Being mm-hmm. healthy and being that good. But yeah. yeah. All right. Why don't we move on and get to our next guy? 
All right, I picked two guys uh, to kind of debate about near the end here as far as we can talk about if their seasons are, are uh, real or mirage. But who would you rather have right now? Uh, they are both waiver wire tight ends, but Dalton Schultz or uh, Dawson Knox? I'm all eyeing on Schultz. I love that guy. Uh, I think Knox right now is doing well, but he's sustained out of touchdowns. That's unsustainable. Mm. I, I love Schultz. Where are you at? No, I completely agree, Schultz. In fact, you called them waiver wire guys. We wouldn't dare have let Schultz be on the waiver wire market at this point <laughs> in the season. Yeah, and uh, I, I think I'm with you, but I guess from a different perspective. So Dawson Knox is kind of the Robert Tunyon of, of this year, right? Uh, so everyone, after the first four games of last year, it, it's almost eerie how similar their stats are. So he, Dawson Knox, number six tight end right now, 15 catches for 144 yards and four touchdowns. And last year, Robert Tanyan, for four, through four games, when everyone went to pick him up, he had 13 catches for 173 yards and five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And, and so last year, Tanyan finishes uh, tight end number five, and everyone said, don't buy him this year. It's not sustainable. Don't do it. And it's happening. Mm-hmm. He's number 29 this year. He's droppable. You're, you're not going to start him with any confidence. And part of his sustained value last year and seven of the last eight games, he had a touchdown, yeah. right? It was every week. He was doing it there. And it seemed like there would be plenty of room for him. Now, Dawson Knox is a little bit different because he gets a lot more playing time than Tunyon did. He's usually above 80% snap share. And uh, it seems like he, uh, Allen really likes him in the red zone. And the other thing about the Bills' offense is that they don't have a good number two option. They've got a, a lot of, a lot of above average options: Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Zach Moss in the red zone, Devin Singletary as a backup. But I'd say they're all on the same level. There's someone looking to break out after Stephon Diggs, and it quite possibly could be Dawson Knox. So one of the things that I like right now with Dallas is. Uh... Their offense is doing a lot better. Uh, last year, obviously, we know they moved the ball quite a bit. Um, but they're going to a two-running back set. I mean, uh, Pollard right now is not as good as Ezekiel Elliott, but he's very good. And they're going to continue to get him carries. In fact, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of 30 carries per game as they switch that up. But what do you have if you're using both running backs constantly, run the ball more to take pressure off your quarterback, which I think they're doing a lot better and they're more efficient. Um, you bring in more tight ends. So I think you have more opportunity to yep. tight end sets to be out there for an increased running game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, your thoughts on that? No, I completely agree. And you just look at it. For me, it's it's a question of looking at Dawson Knox because when, when we evaluate the two guys, which would you rather have? Schultz has been great. Knox has also been great. But Knox feels like he's been on that team for a while. And I just wonder, again, it comes down to like, why, why didn't it click before? Why is it clicking now? And for me, it feels like it's clicking now because we've had just a bit of an off off year for Stefan Diggs. And if Diggs gets back on gets back on track... And you've already got Cole Beasley, who is this PPR stud, and Emmanuel Sanders, who's had a two-touchdown game. And you've actually got your running backs who have been able to find the end zone just fine. Like It just doesn't feel like they need him to do that. Now, the difference, because it's a very similar situation with Dallas, they also have great weapons. The difference is Buffalo's defense is really good. They don't need 40 points to win. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, you probably do. So I guess what I would say is it takes tight ends longer, right? It, mm-hmm. That's just general yeah. consensus. It takes him longer. He's only 24, and he's been in the league three years. Yeah. And he, he's been with uh, Josh Allen this last year. He actually went to see an eye specialist because he has problems seeing the ball when it comes in. And it might, it might just be that that's really helped his game. Now, Dal- Dalton Schultz, he's someone who I want if I'm looking for a stable floor, which is all important with tight ends, especially once after you get from Kelsey to Waller. I mean, I don't even want to include Hawkinson and Kittle at this point because they're just inconsistent. So after that, it is a wasteland of tight ends. Dalton Schultz might be your saving grace. And last year, he was number 11 with Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci as his quarterbacks. And now he's the the last option in an offense that has Elliott and Pollard, as you said, that has Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb that are always going to be keyed in. The last people that uh, the defense is looking at is Dalton Schultz. So it comes down to who you want Do you want a higher ceiling, which I believe is Dawson Knox, who I think, if he sustains it, could be a Robert Tunyon of this year and finish as the fifth overall tight end, Mm -hmm. or a Dalton Schultz, who's probably going to stay right in that 6 to 12 range and have six catches and 40 yards every week, and that's that's great for tight ends in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one thing you called it uh, a wasteland is what you said about tight ends. Yes. And and it is, and because it is that way, um, what I'd say right now is both of those tight ends are tight end ones. Yeah. Um, because what else uh, you can have out there? So no matter yeah. where you might flip them or feel them, I think you both have to 
uh, feel like those are guys you're going to start. Absolutely. It's a tight end wasteland. Here we go. <laughs> I like it. Don't stop now. Don't stop. <laughs> we'll we're stop now. Stop we're, it. Stop we're just getting excited. So. <laughs> All right. So the last guy I want to get into is Najee Harris. And I'm actually going to be honest with you guys. When I picked to talk about him in this video, I hadn't started my research. I just him and said, you know, we're going to see what we get. Because I was just really curious about this. He has had a very confusing year. So right now he is the RB5 overall in fantasy scoring amongst running backs. He's been great, except 3.4 yards per carry on the year is pretty bad. And he's only scored two touchdowns. So, you know, the question is, can he keep that production up? Can he still be a top guy, a top 12 or even top six fantasy running back when the yards per carry and the touchdowns aren't there? Let's get into it. The first thing I want to say is the touchdowns not being there is both good and bad. We know how fickle touchdowns are. And so, hey, they're not here today. Maybe they'll be there tomorrow. And that can even help, really help them out even more. Um, and then we got to address the offensive line. The Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line is pretty bad right now. And they have struggled. But furthermore, I think Ben Roethlisberger's struggles have really exacerbated every issue that they have on that offense where it's just you know what? Let's be honest, guys. No matter how great your offense is, with the wrong quarterback, simply getting a first down can be difficult, let alone stringing together drives, scoring touchdowns, and, and you're know, really putting it together a whole productive game. But before I continue on, I got a lot of things to say. What are you guys thinking just right off the bat? Yeah, uh, one, I had the guy in a dynasty. I think he's got a ton of talent. He works hard. He's great. Ben Roethlisberger came on and said that of all the guys he's played at running back, he might be the best ever. And that's just not Le'Veon Bell. That's Jerome Bettis. Mm -hmm. So it says an awful lot. I think he's really good. I think he's being hindered right now by a bad offense and a bad offensive line. Mm -hmm. I will say this. I think this is Ben Roethlisberger's last year. Yeah. Uh, I do. But I do think that he's going to play better. That They're going to make some corrections. They're going to improve. And I think he'll, he'll subsequently see an increase. I think what you're going to see is a, a good year based on volumes where he's not going to be very efficient running the ball. But that's my yeah. take. This is real. I am all in yeah. on Najee Harris. All in. So I'll just say it. I think it's real as well, right? Maybe he doesn't finish his five, but I don't think it's going to fall out of RB1. Maybe he drops to eight or like whatever, but let's break it down. There's, it's not just that. And you said it, Ben Roethlisberger called him the ben, best running back he's ever worked with. But you know what? They also said that he worked so hard in the off season that coaches had to kick him off the field. They also said that from day one, he looked like a veteran who understood the playbook and knew what needed to be done. That's great. I mean, sure, running back is not the position where you need to be the most intelligent, but it matters and it makes a difference and it gives confidence to your team around you. Furthermore, uh, like there's no competition there. You, you know that the second most carries is by their wide receiver. The only running back there to have carries other than Harris has three carries for one yard. Like no competition. Wow. And yeah, I mean, other than maybe a standard league, a standard mm -hmm. non-PPR, mm -hmm. I think he will struggle to, to crack even the top 10. And there's not mm -hmm. usually such a large disparity when you look at running backs between the ones that are efficient in PPR and uh, not and, and non PPR, mm -hmm. but this might be one of those times that that okay, I can see trading him in that. But PPR, this guy is a gold mine. I don't see mm -hmm. any way that he doesn't finish in the top five, a, a barring injury. I think I'm in on him. I would make a bet that he finishes as a top five running back. This is if we're talking about Big Ben's inefficiencies. Well, what's one way that he does it? He checks down. His average depth of target is one of the lowest in the league. That's why Deontay Johnson feeds, and we're all in on Deontay Johnson. We're saying, yeah. you know, go get him. He's going to have an efficient year if he's not injured. But why aren't we saying the same thing about Najee Harris? Uh, and a lot of people are, but 14 catches on 19 uh, targets. Yeah, just from a couple games game. ago. That's not going to go anywhere. I mean, he's still going to have, if he has anywhere from 5 to 10, he's already an ultra value at the PPR position. And he can't get any worse as a runner, I don't think. I don't think it's going to get worse than 3.2 yards per carry. And I don't, can't see the offense having less efficiency. So I think that all signs are pointing up and he's already that successful. Man, I want all the shares of Najee Harris I can get. Well, I'm oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, yeah, so I made a trade. I talked about it before we did the video mm -hmm. here. Uh, so I had Najee Harris and I had Mark Andrews tight end. I traded for George Kittle and I got Edwards Hilaire back. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a big Edwards fan. I think George Kittle's got a huge up, you know, size, or we call it huge ceiling. I think he's very talented. Yep. Um, I believe that statistically I'm going to win that bet this year. I think they're going to outscore. But I think long term, um, Najee Harris is the guy. He's going to be, if you're in a dynasty league, he is the, the must-have running back. He's going to be all-world stud, uh, undoubtedly. Here's what I like most about him. 
And you, you talked about it a little bit. His ability in the passing game, he's a dual threat. He gets PPR points. He keeps himself on the field. He's just dangerous. In fact, he's on pace for 110 catches and 756 receiving yards. And let's remember, even the great receiving Christian McCaffrey got better three years in a row when he entered the league. Running backs will continue to develop. And so he, this might not even be his peak past catch. Words are hard. Yeah. Uh, his peak Very. in pass-catching ability. But there's something that makes him more dangerous. Look at the other pass-catching backs in the league, like, say, Christian McCaffrey. What is their one downfall? They're usually a little bit smaller. That's not a problem for Najee Harris, who is six foot one, 232 pounds. Mm. Now, he might only be 15 pounds heavier, heavier than Christian McCaffrey, but one with that height, we call it natural weight. doesn't mean that he's a shorter back who's forced muscle on, and that can get kind of awkward and, like, David Boston, like, you know, um, but two, that extra 10 pounds, that makes a huge difference. I mean, really any athlete out there knows if you had an extra 10 pounds of muscle, like that means the world. So this is a guy that can get it done on the ground, won't have injury issues. And somehow he is one of the best dual threat running backs in the league. Oh yeah. And we didn't even mention the fact that like, if you're worried about this offense, I get it. There's concern there. But, you know, the Steelers and, their, you know, Mike Tomlin, they've kind of had a great offense for many, many years. I trust them. I trust them. Yeah. So the last guys that I have, I think the last guys we're going to talk about here is we're supposed to take one guy each, and I kind of combined two, so I cheat a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to call this one Tier 1 Flops. I want to talk about Stefan Diggs, who's currently the 19th wide receiver in scoring, and then uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's the 25th wide receiver in scoring there. Uh, once again, that puts him at the wide receiver two, wide receiver three category. Yet they were both drafted in many leagues in the first round, uh, definitely drafted to be top five wide receivers. They were average draft position. One was third and one was fourth. Um, before I get into some things there, are you guys a little bit surprised, shocked? Do you guys own them in any leagues? I don't. I don't own them in any leagues, more so because of the position that I drafted in. Uh, I would have loved to have them both. Um, I'd say I'm not as surprised on, on DeAndre Hopkins, more surprised on Stephon Diggs. Yeah, well, it's funny you should say that. I'm the opposite. I expe- I really, to be honest, I kind of expected a big drop-off from Diggs. But the Hopkins thing has really surprised me. And maybe that's more because I've been just also surprised with how much uh, Christian Kirk has stepped up. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Why don't you continue on? I don't actually have a whole lot of thoughts on it. I think they're going to rebound to be fine. But you're the one who did the research, so why don't you so, tell us what we're expecting? Okay, so the question is, can they climb to wide receiver one status again? Well, in order to ask that or answer that question, we also have to wonder, for them to climb, guys have to drop. Yeah. So are there any guys ahead of them that I think are going to drop? And, and I think there are a few guys. A couple off the top of my head, a few that I would mention is the guy I talked about earlier, Cardell Patterson. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to drop statistically. Another one is Brandon Cooks. I think he's a great volume play. We talked about him. His numbers are good right now. But, man, that quarterback situation is a mess. Uh, Davis Mills looks horrible back there. Yeah. Um, it's it's not pretty. And then Marcus Brown, I think, will drop right now because, one, the type of offense he's in, they're run heavy. Uh, he's had limited co- targets if you base on pass um, trends. And they're about to get Bateman back, uh, the first-round wide receiver that they drafted there. So I think those guys right there in the top 12 will drop out. So I think there's that. Um, both Diggs and Hopkins are undeniably really good wide receivers. Mm-hmm. If I look at that, I think Hopkins has a better resume, and he's more talented of the two. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at the ages. Um, Hopkins is 29, and Diggs is about to be 28. So as far as wide receiver age goes, uh, as far as wide receiver goes, I think it'd be premature to say that that's a regression based on age at this point. I yeah. don't know if you guys agree or not. Statistically, after their age 27 season is when wide receivers start to decline. Um, Although that's confusing. We saw how old Steve Smith was, and he was still producing. And here's the bigger one. Anomaly. Maybe. Here's the bigger one. Do you know there is a really great wide receiver, one of the best of all time, who didn't have their first 1,000-yard receiving year until they were 27? Shut up. No way. Do you know who that is? I don't know. We, we, we live in, we're, by the way, we record in Minnesota right now. You guys, you Vikings fans? Yeah. Big Vikings. Me too. Who is it? Larry Fitzgerald. Chris Carter. Chris Carter. Chris Carter didn't have his first 1,000-yard season until he was 27. So there are guys out there that do it. I mean, uh, there might be a drop-off, but it is not nearly as fast, for example, as a running back, where it drastically drops off for them. Yeah, so, uh, i.e. Todd Gurley. Yeah, so, uh, so I think that age is not an issue at this point. Um, they're both still in the same offense with the same quarterback that put him in the top five to begin with, so that's good. Um, we have to ask that question. What they did last year, was that a statistical anomaly? Or anomaly, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's been one of those long days for me, so sorry about that. 
Um, Diggs, I think what he did last year was a little bit of an anomaly, a little bit. Now, he did have another year where he had 102 catches. He's had three seasons over 1,000 yards. But I would say that what he did last year, 100, like 126 catches, was yeah. not normative for him. Yeah. That's not normal for him. In fact, he averaged, I think, before they take away those two seasons, around 75 catches per season. Mm -hmm. Whereas Hopkins, he's had four seasons over 1,000 yards. I'm sorry, four seasons over 100 catches per mm -hmm. season and yeah. six seasons over 1,000 yards. Yeah. So I think for Hopkins, that's a little more normal for him. That's not an abnormal year. What he did last year didn't shock anybody, did it? We're kind of like, yeah, that's Hopkins being Hopkins. Yeah. Where when Diggs did it, we're kind of like, wow, this guy came out of nowhere. He really was amazing. Um, and the other thing I think we need to consider is Diggs is not that far from wide receiver one status. He's 19, so you only got to go seven spots to improve. So it's not that far. If you feel disappointed, he hasn't been bad. Yeah. Okay, not bad at all. Um, Hopkins, on the other hand, he's outside wide receiver two. In fact, currently, based on a 12-team size league, he's, he's a wide receiver three. That's shocking. Um, now he's got Kyle Murray, who's developing to a very good quarterback. Um, and that's good and bad for him. One, it's good because, well, that makes him a good quarterback. I mean, his production play won't dip. He won't have major issues against matchups, against good defenses. But here's the problem with him developing to a good quarterback. Often quarterbacks, when they develop to a talented quarterback, they have better target selection. Uh, they spread the ball around. They stop being less predictable. They, uh, they, they tend to not force it as much. So that could hurt his distribution or target distribution a little bit there. Also, Christian Kirk. Um, very underrated. Mm -hmm. They get the rival of A.J. Green, who, by the way, A.J. Green, when he, you know, you go back five years ago, this guy was phenomenal, and he's got gas in his tank. And the other one is Rondell Moore, which, by the way, a little bragging on us here. Um, back when he had that huge week, and we did our waiver wire video, and we said, you got to pick this guy up. He's very talented, but you need to temper your expectations. And I know a lot of people disagreed with that, but the last two weeks, what has he done? Not Nothing. much. Nothing. So anyways, but he's still talented. And so I think, you know, that along with the fact that Kyler Murray can use his legs, I think the, uh, it might lower his volume. Um, but here's what I think as far as Hopkins go. As the year gets deeper and the games become more important and more meaningful, mm -hmm. he's by far and away their best weapon. He's impossible to contain. You can't even double-team this guy to stop him. And so he, those numbers are going to come up. Mm -hmm. His production, barring an injury, will trend up. Now, it's going to be hard to overcome the fact that he has a slow start. And that's four games he's, he's not going to be able to get back there. But uh, he may not finish in the top 10, but I expect him to finish around that 12 area, which puts him right in the bubble of wide receiver one. Well, and his season totals at this point don't matter because what's in the past is in the past. But if he plays as a wide receiver one the rest of the year and he still gets hurt by his start, who cares? Again, you, you can't look back. you got to look forward. Yeah, if we're going to look at uh, what's changed for the two, because last year there are a lot of similarities, but you just touched on it. Arizona upgraded their skill position players in full. A.J. Yeah. Green, uh, Rondell Moore, and then you also added James Conner to the backfield, who's yeah. been great the last two weeks, mm -hmm. which I didn't expect that coming. You look at Buffalo, and they exchanged John Brown for basically the same player in Emmanuel Sanders. So there hasn't been a change there. And Josh Allen is, is the same quarterback, if not a, a year more mature. So I have a lot more confidence in Stephon Diggs. And I was looking at ESPN uh, ratings right now, and, and two – Teams or it showed a stat that of the teams that are struggling the most and have the worst records right now, and two commonalities on most of them are teams that have Delvin Cook, mm -hmm. which is understandable, and it's teams that have DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. which for every for whatever reason that seems odd to me that it would be so so drastic. But he has majorly disappointed. Now, I think that he will be fine, and I think that he'll finish as a low-end wide receiver one. And I don't think that you should trade him because you're not going to get very good value. So I would encourage people to go out and buy low on DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. But as far as what he has been for a long stretch of his career, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the first year that he shows a little bit of regression, maybe doesn't hit that 1,000-yard mark, and maybe has under 100 catches. Uh, Stefan Diggs, last guy there, and then we'll say this. Um, one, a lot of people are surprised, but if you follow us here, we had said from the beginning of the year that we expect a regression. We thought that last year was a career year, and, mm -hmm. I, and I still believe that. I think he's a good wide receiver. Now, even starting so, he's still doing just fine. So I think he'll finish the year probably around, you know, once again, as a wide receiver one, but he's not going to be top five. But that's not surprising. We've been saying that for, uh, you know, a couple months. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at with Stefan Diggs. Do you think he gets back in the top five, or is this it for him? I do. I th I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my neck out there. I'm going to say top five. Uh, I think that he'll be just fine. I think other wide receivers, as you said, will fall off, including Debo Samuel. I'm putting that out there, too. But, yeah, Stefan Diggs, he's got the target share still. He's just got to fall into the end zone a couple times and have a couple more competitive games, which they've had an easy strength the schedule thus far and that's not going to continue so yeah Stefan Diggs will be fine I'm, I'm happy with him uh, I know that it's hard to wait but he's going to blow up here pretty soon
All right, so should have been nine. I think that ended up being, what, 11 players we talked about. You're but welcome. The bonus players. It was players. free for you guys. It was free. <laughs> Actually, everything we do is free, and, you know, they say you get what you pay for. That's why uh-huh. you should uh, like and subscribe if yes. you enjoy the content. Yeah, no, of course, just like, subscribe, and leave a comment because the more you support these videos, the more motivated we are to do a good job. But thank you so much for watching. You guys have a great day, and God bless.